Welcome to episode 40 of Coffee Pods and Wads, sponsored by Born Primitive UK. You can use the code COFFEEPODS10 for money off your basket on their website, bornprimitive.co.uk. And also sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, a sugar-free energy drink, loads of different flavours and ton of caffeine. Um, thank you for listening and for your continued support of the podcast. Uh, please continue to like and share everything you can at Coffee Pods and Wads on Instagram. Like you putting it up on your story means one other person might hear it and want to listen and want to get involved. So every little helps. Um, the more you share, the more people will see it. You can also become a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash coffee pods and wads or at the link in my bio on Instagram. Um, I'm releasing a bonus episode today with Nicole Brazier, um, who presents Make Pods Great Again with John Woolley. She was on the mic at regionals. She's on the mic at games every year. She's got like does loads of different events. I think uh, her and John started some kind of awkward conversations a few weeks back and I thought it would be good to get her thoughts on the latest developments. I'm aware some of you are listening to this and maybe you're trained CrossFit but you're not involved in the sport, you don't follow the sport and might not have heard of Greg Glassman before last weekend. Um, but I still think there's some good notes in everyone from Nikki. So enjoy, listen, share and tag. Listen, Nikki, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, I think like when everything started happening the last few days I was like right who's a good person to get on to give a balanced level-headed reaction and maybe ask some questions about things (laughs) I think it would have been easier for me to get someone like you know who's just shouting because there's plenty of shouting going on but I think um before we get going like uh properly I think what you and John are doing with Make Pods Great Again I think deserves to be commended because Hmm. I think it's like there's honesty and openness and then like really fucking difficult conversations being started. Like I know John got a lot of abuse about a week and a half ago when he said he that it's not a diverse sport. And then a week later, look what happens. Right. Um, so it's all his fault. But I think, <laughs> Totally, you can blame him. <laughs> I think um, for a show that's, I guess, predominantly lighthearted and known mm-hmm. for being on the lighter side of things, I think it takes, takes a lot for you to step up and do what you did. So first of all, congratulations on that and the success. I saw you hit a huge number of listens last week. Yeah. The growth has been really exponential lately, which is, I still am having like trouble believing. Like I yeah. still low key think it's just my mom that downloads it <laughs> over and over to make me feel better. But um, I think I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you so much because we have been, um, you know, tr- trying to work hard to, to have and host difficult conversations mm-hmm and be a platform where people feel comfortable talking. And it's hard to talk right now. And there's a lot of weird emotions around saying the wrong thing or not saying anything at all. And then that's a problem. And like, Mm. well, who can I ask about what to say? And so, you know, not everything we say is right. For Mm. sure, not everything I say is right. (laughs) Um, But I just, I'm glad to be a place where people feel like they can have the discussion because you're allowed to say the wrong thing and you're allowed to change your mind and you're allowed to grow and, and be better. And that's what I hope we can all do. Yeah. Um, we'll start off a bit more lighthearted. So okay. <laughs> uh, are you, would you classify yourself as a big coffee drinker? Um, yeah, you, I think you could say I have a coffee problem. It's not a problem if it's a good thing. It's what? It's not a problem if it's a good thing. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the best um, what kind of setup have you got in your house then? Oh, I am addicted to cold brew. Okay. So I don't have like a fancy like machine setup or anything like that. I'm not one of them. I mean, I do love a good espresso. 
don't get me wrong, but I, I think it's like a weird New England thing. Like if you grew up in New England where the weather's kind of always shitty and it's always some form of cold or it's like boiling hot, you melt your skin when you step outside, you just are like an iced coffee drinker, no matter what the season, no matter yeah. what, you just like, you've kind of given up. You're like, well, shit, I'm just going to drink this <laughs> coffee all the time. <laughs> so I'm totally addicted to cold brew. And my absolute favorite is a kind called Stoke. Have you ever heard yeah. of it? No. It's called, it's written S-T-O-K. I think it's still, okay. maybe Doc, I don't know. But me and a bunch of other people love it apparently because it's always sold out at the grocery <laughs> store. And we, whenever my husband and I find it, we're like the worst. We buy like eight or nine bottles because yeah, so you, we both you know. you create the shortage. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure that I'm part of it. But we both know what I'm like if I don't have it in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Mm. True. Mm-mm. So you, you go down to the shop buy eight bottles then go back the next time there's none there and you're like complaining and the person at the table is like yeah well some dickhead came in and bought eight bottles yesterday so now yeah yeah and i'm like what the hell (laughs) who did that and why aren't there eight more here for me (laughs) i have right now um i love hearing about uh like guests coffee memories so i guess Mm. you're particularly well traveled and stuff so is there I mean, some people center around like the specific coffee that they had and others center around like places that they were, a company that they had, news that they received mm. or shared or something. Is there anything that springs to mind for you? Oh, that is a really fun question. Um, it's tough to nail down because every event that I've ever worked, you know, every back when they were regionals and then we went to sanctionals, we've been all over the world, my team and I, um, we always find the coffee the closest coffee, the best coffee, the Starbucks, like we always, it's like you ask anyone, Bill Grunler, especially like he'll tell you like the first thing we do when we get to the hotel at an event is like, where is the closest coffee? Um, and where is the closest Starbucks? Because sometimes if you're in a place where you're not sure what the local coffee is like, yeah, at least yeah. like, you know, you have some standard, that's sort yeah. of like standard. Exactly. Um, my, one of my favorite locations is in Dubai because the hotel is literally right next door to a Starbucks. And I swear that they know who we are because we like know what time they open. And in the morning we go there first thing before we start the broadcast. And then like in the afternoon, someone like does a coffee run to pick it up for the whole crew. And then like in the evening, I would always get a small one for the very early morning when I woke up and went to work out when they weren't open yet and I'd like put it in a little hotel fridge overnight so um that's probably one of my favorite locations because it's right there and they they just tend to know us by the end of the week they're like oh it's you guys you should call I think me. I had Chase Ingram on the other like we recorded it like last week and yep. I think he must have been with you there in Dubai yes so he did he had a similar kind of story but <laughs> were you there as well he was saying about how they had um they were making it rain and like you yep. guys were all like walking outside going like, what the fuck? Why is it raining? It's supposed to be like the desert. And then they were uh-huh. like, oh, did you not get the email that it was supposed to rain? Yes. And we were like, I'm sorry, excuse me. And then Tommy had to explain this whole notion of cloud seeding to us. Mm. And I was like, this place is not real. Like oh, you built- Tommy, Tommy's just so annoying that he knows everything about everything. And it's just like, oh, shut up, Tommy. <laughs> no, it's more like, oh, thank God for Tommy. None of us know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> no, exactly. They were like, oh, you didn't get like the memo, bro? Like you didn't bring an umbrella to the desert with you? And I was like, this place is not real like you yeah. built this bullshit out of nothing it looks like the star wars skyline like i'm just expecting to see like fighter jets like <laughs> like the biggest weirdest buildings in the world um it's made of money yeah. and you make weather I, yeah what they it's make funny. it rain in every possible way in every way 100 <laughs> percent. um i think yeah. like most people will recognize you uh 
if they were to picture you, they picture you standing on the sidelines with a mic in your hand. Yep. How did that come about? How did that happen? Oh, so funny. So back when CrossFit was still kind of quiet, like not a lot of people knew about it as a training methodology, let alone, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a broadcasted sport. CrossFit put out on Facebook kind of just like a random post, like, hey, do you know about um, broadcasting? And also, do you know how to snatch? Like, send us your your information. And um, I was working as a TV news reporter and anchor at the time. So anyone in news and TV news kind of always have, you, you have like a best highlight oh, cut yeah, yeah. reel. Um, yeah, it's called a reel, or at least it was back then. Now I'm old, but... Um, Back then it was like now a it's highlight. An Instagram story. Exactly. Right. Now it's like a microchip or something. Yeah. Um, but back then it was a DVD of your best work and you yeah. would like burn it onto a thing. So I had been crossfitting and coaching already at that point for a little bit, like a, a year or two. And I was like, I know those things. I would love to be a part of this. So I remember this is how, how long ago it was. I sent Sean Woodland a link to my reel on YouTube and it was the first YouTube video I had ever uploaded. I was like new to the plot. I like just put my email in and was like, oh, I think this will be easier than burning a DVD. Um, and he, he messaged me back. He emailed me and asked me to come to regionals. That was back in I, 2013 or 14. Yeah. And it's sort of just been, been history ever since then. The team grew slowly but surely but a lot of the people that i continue to work with even on sanctionals and things like that today were part of the original crew back in the early 2010 ish range when they were putting together the media team it says a lot about the original media team that you're all still so close and that you're all still so in demand as well that it's not like you know there's no one that was there that was just like ah let's just like just forget about that person because they were shit like i think you're all (laughs) you're all obviously um, I mean, it helps, I guess, that you're recognizable, that you know, people know what they're getting with all of you, like in each, as individuals and collectively, if you put people working together and stuff, like I know Chase was talking about how when he was put with Bill, it just kind of clicked. Yeah. And I think Tommy and Sean were the same. It just clicked and it just worked. And the same with, you know, the Buttery Bros and that, you know, yeah. that there's different things that just work together. Um, yeah. But I think it says a lot that you're all still the people that it's like, right, we're hosting an event. See, can we get a b c d and you guys are the a b c d like you know i think it's it's good like yeah and we i feel so lucky that that how that whole thing has shaken out because you know we we're really a family and i know that this sounds so corny and i've probably said it a million times you've heard me say it like on other shows on my podcast but like i i cannot describe to you like how close we all are and how much we all mean to each other and that's from the commentators to the floor mcs to me and the people behind the scenes that run the broadcast like when we get together at an event it is like christmas morning mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you you like love so hard and you work in this really high stakes like high emotional toll situation where no one really understands the pressure you're under but you and the people you work with so you form this really cohesive bond and i am so grateful that we've all stuck with it and that events and organizers and people like you have decided to continue seeing us that way and reaching out to us because and it's the it's my favorite part of my career. It's you know, the, it's not the thing that I do full time. I work in advertising full time, yeah. but it's it's my favorite thing that I get to do. And I I feel very lucky that we've been able to do a good job on the back end to you know produce something good that people recognize, mm-hmm. and that people have been kind enough to continue calling us and letting us talk about fitness because it's our favorite thing to do. 
Um, a two-sided question then. So is there, is there a standout moment like with, that you have of you with a mic in your hand? Is there a standout moment? And then has there been any moments where, because I, I, like, I picture if I finish a workout and someone comes up to me with a microphone and asks me a question, oh. the last thing I'm going to want to do is stop and talk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, has there been those kind of moments as well? Yes. So uh, let me answer that part first, because the beginning of my career, when we first started doing these broadcasts early on, that was all of my moments. <laughs> like Nobody really knew that um, they needed to do that or yeah. be the kind of athlete that like has fans and addresses them and does interviews. Because in the beginning, remember, we all just got really good at working out in our garages. Yeah, yeah. Like Ben Smith just had a fridge in a garage and he got really fast at exercising, and then all of a sudden we put him on a broadcast. Like yeah. it took a while for the athletes to understand that, like, no, no, like you have fans, and they want to hear from you, and they want to see you, and they want to know your training methodology, they want to know what you had for breakfast, and yeah. they want to know what sneakers you're wearing. Like that was a was a very uh, organic evolution from <laughs> fast exerciser to like professional athlete. And it took a minute. So in the very beginning, I mean, my first couple years, I was like mortified because maybe 60% of the time I'd be like, Hey, can I like grab you on the sideline real quick? And someone would be like, no. <laughs> or like, like how'd, cool. you, how'd you find the workout? Hard. You know? Hard. Right. Right. And I went through a ton of training too. Like we have a bunch of people on the back end that, um, that would evaluate our performance, both technically on the broadcast and also like me on camera as air quotes talent, like on camera talent. Um, Mike Roth is one of the best in the, in the entire world consultant on both the front end and the back end. And every year before games, we have reporter boot camp where all the sideline reporters. Oh, you don't like watch clips of yourselves or something. Oh yeah. And he combs through, this was back when we had regionals. He would comb through the regionals footage Mm. and he would just, you would just sit there sweating and he would just click like play, stop. See what you did there. Don't do that again. Play, stop. See what you said there. Why did you say that? Play, stop. You're holding the microphone in the wrong hand. Um, so we also went through a, a huge growth on the back yeah. end, you know, trying to be better and, and accompany this sort of... Did you find that stifled you a bit, though, at the start, where, like, if someone was to go back and listen to one of my podcasts and pause it every time and say, <laughs> you said the word like again there, or like it was, yep. you, you mm-hmm. said, um, twice there. Mm-hmm. I, the next time I'm talking, then I'd be really conscious of like, look, oh, no, shit, I can't say that. Like, it, did you find it kind of hard to get over that initial hump? <laughs> Um, it was hard to stomach, but it was only helpful. And okay. I, like I said, I have been working in TV news or at the point I had been working in TV news for a while. So I have a pretty thick skin in terms of, you know, performance reviews and, and I do appreciate the feedback. So yeah, it was yeah. hard to take. It was hard to be like, wow, I'm really bad at this, <laughs> um, but I can only go up from here. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, to the, answer the first part of your question, the sort of like one of those moments where I really felt like this is what I'm meant to do. Um, I do. I have one is super standout memory, and I don't think I will ever forget it. 2018 European Regional was probably my favorite event that we've ever done. And I can't exactly explain to you why, other than like everything just clicked. Like the broadcast crew was on point, the talent in the back of the truck, like the guys, the director, the producer, we had worked with them before, but they were in new roles. So it felt like new and exciting and different. We weren't like falling into our old like pitfalls or just like just doing things the same. We were shaking things up a little bit and it was 
just so exciting. The competition was exciting and everything was working. And, and I felt like I was on point. I felt like my questions were good. My answers were good. I'd done all my research, like just everything clicked. And there was a point in time where I was walking across the competition floor. We were in between events and the stadium was packed and the loudest I have ever heard a regionals stadium ever. And I knew that people were like watching me walk across the floor just to like, I don't remember even the booth to pick up papers. I don't remember yeah. what. And I was like, those people have been listening to me all weekend and, and they're glad I'm here. You know, I'm yeah. like asking things that they want to know about. And the response has been good. And I just felt in that moment in Europe, walking across the, the field of play with a mic in my hand, like this is what I'm meant to do. I have never felt better about my work or my reason for being on this broadcast than I am here and now. And it was just, it was magical. I called my husband and I was like, I found my place in the sun. Like, this is real. This is real. And then they canceled regionals. Huh? Yeah, right. And then they canceled regionals. <laughs> but it's not even like, it wasn't that, there was yeah, nothing. It's, it's not the, it's not it the fact just, that it was regionals. It was a feeling you had. Yeah, things, yeah. Because right? the yeah. same thing could happen at a sanctionals event. Yeah. I mean, the same thing could happen at a local comp if they really wanted me, wanted me to, you know, come out and help out. And the cool thing about the way things have gone at regionals is I've been able to flex a lot more of my skills in terms of doing my own video and doing my own editing, which is mm. a, a, that's a skill set I picked up when I was doing news and I like it a lot. So now I kind of get the best of both worlds um, mm. and it's making me feel a lot more like I'm, I'm lucky that I get to do this. But also cool as well. Like I know you're at uh, Mayhem when they had their mm -hmm. like comp a while ago. Like it must be cool to, I know you say like, it's nice that when, you know, people who host podcasts or host events and stuff call, but like when Rich Foning calls and says, oh, we want you to come down and do, that must be a good feeling. Yeah, that was rad. And like the neat thing about where we're at right now is like when I went to Mayhem, like I went as a representative of Morning Chalk Up. So mm -hmm. now there's so many different opportunities. Like if a comp partners with an outlet, then maybe the outlet picks me up or if yeah. a comp, you know, has a director at the top that knows media well enough to be like, oh, I want Bill, Chase and Nikki, then they call yeah. me directly. And like, the opportunity for us to make different little teams and work together and, you know, package our work differently and present it differently is, is open now. And that's, that's pretty cool. We've been lucky. Yeah. Um, being on the other side of the mic then, so being interviewed and mm. being asked questions and being asked your standpoint on certain things or your view on certain things, like, do you find that difficult? Do you find it difficult not being the one asking the questions? It's not so much that I find it tough not being the asker. It's more so that like when John and I started recording the podcast last year, I still felt like a weird um, like responsibility to stay neutral at mm -hmm. first because I'm a reporter, right? So I just, I tell you the facts and I ask questions and I hear you and I kind of just move on and trying mm -hmm. not to make my own opinions or at least inject my own opinions into these conversations. Um, and when we first started the podcast, I find it, found it hard to, to, to give my opinion. Um, and then I realized like, no, this is, I mean, yes, I can report when I want to, <laughs> and I can have an opinion when I want to, too. Um, but I do think that probably my reporting background has made me a little bit more open to seeing more sides of the yeah, yeah. argument. Before Staying on, unbiased for longer, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Or just like, just offering considerations, which is mm. sorely lacking. I feel like nowadays, especially. <laughs> um, with the podcast then, how did that partnership come about? Because you've got like someone who's, you know, basically a, a basic bitch putting up his like snarky memes in the background for, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like having a go and like, you know, I love yep. his page. It's brilliant. Like, but I think if, someone was to say, oh, the guy from Make Wads Great Again is going to start a podcast. Um, 
you wouldn't be the first person to come into your head to be like, oh, I bet you they'll partner up and do it. Like, how did that partnership come about? So funny. And he started it before me, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and listen to those episodes. (laughs) No, don't. Definitely don't. (laughs) Um, You know, it's so funny. We met at the CrossFit Winter Classic, which is a charity event in Cleveland that I um, worked for, and that's like local for him. And it was totally the kind of thing where I was one of his first followers, like way back when, like back when his account was still like the CrossFit Trump or however he first started it. And it was, it wasn't memes at first. It was like stats. It was like, if this athlete did this and if that athlete did this and like he would be here on the leaderboard and she would be here. And that's what it was at first. Um, And so I had known him of him for a really long time. When I was in Cleveland, he messaged me and was like, Hey, like we're both going to be at this event. We should meet for real in real life. And, um, and I had no idea at the time that it would spiral into this, but I mean, bringing me into the podcast was his idea. And honestly, at the time, like before, um, before games last year, when I was on the world feed, I, I, I had a quote unquote following or like people knew who I was from these events, but it wasn't, I was not like, didn't have over 10,000 followers. Like didn't have, maybe I was just someone that you saw if you were really an insider yeah. in this kind of. Um, and so I do have a big like, thank you to John to, for, for seeing me in a light that was like, I think this chick can expand on her skills. I think yeah. she would sound great on a podcast. I think she does great interviews on the sideline. And I think, you know, it takes, it takes guts as well here. for him to say, Oh, I need help with it. Like that. It's not, you know, that it could be better, right. you know, to relinquish that control to say like, let's share it rather than just like, no, it's my thing and I'll hold on to it and I'll keep doing it. No, but you're totally right. It was, it was nice of him to be like, what he always says is like, he has the reach, right? He has the followers and he has the platform, but he brought me on because he thinks I have a a skill in interviewing and in getting information out of people, even in just forming relationships with people where they're comfortable enough to tell their story that, you know, he supplied the, the platform. And then I brought that sort of like context to it. And, and together, we are an odd couple, aren't we? Like, yeah, but I think it works really well, though, because even on <laughs> yeah. episodes, like you'd have, say, you have the kind of more journalistic approach where you're like, you know, what about uh, when that thing happened in that year and then this happened in that year? How do you feel? And then like John will either, you know, make a joke to cut through like yeah. maybe a bit of tension that might be there or else he'll say he might ask the more kind of human side of the question of like yeah. what the average George Jane might like a kind of non-journalistic question where, you know, you might be talking about a specific event and John uh, like, you know, kind of, I suppose, as more of an average, uh, yeah. like not media trained person will just be like, geez, that must have been shit. Whereas yeah. you as a journalist wouldn't you know that wouldn't be your first reaction to something that is said but like I suppose he's like look it I don't care so he's just like well that must have been shit and then you get the athlete or person you're interviewing kind of relaxing a bit and being like you know what it really was shit you know yeah it's perfect it's a really fun combination yeah no it does work really well um so more recently I guess as we talked about at the start you've kind of ramped things up to you know John put out a post and talked about it about how he thinks that there is a lack of diversity in sport and I think like it's an interesting conversation because I guess even I found myself you know it's it's very easy to to, it's very easy to start feeling defensive like and it's very easy to start feeling attacked when it's something a community you're part of and people are saying oh it's not very diverse and Mm -hmm. I think people like 
John and I know like Knowles and, and the Talking Elite Boys and you with the people that you spoke to and how you spoke and the information you brought forward. And I, I think the main thing is that like that ability to say like we don't know, but we mm-hmm. want to know, which yeah. I think a lot of people, if a conversation like this, but any kind of heavy material starts coming up, um, especially I feel like a lot of opinionated people do CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> oh really so Come like, on. <laughs> i think it's very easy to be like no i know that this is right and i know that this is the thing and whatever you say like you can say whatever you're going to want to say but i don't really give a fuck because this is what's right and exactly. i think the fact that you guys and noah and the talking people and other people as well have said like you know but we actually need to learn a bit about what's going on because i know even like my wife's family were kind of talking about it and they're saying oh it's not a very diverse sport though like look at the athletes you've had on and i was kind of like yeah i mean there definitely isn't like you know the the top 100 on each in each of the sexes doing the sport there definitely isn't an equal like weight of like white and people of color but mm-hmm. i was like i mean that's in the us like if you go to I don't know, like wherever, like if you went to CrossFit gym in Kenya, I'm willing to bet that a lot of the people that are there will be people of color because of the, the you know, the racial demographic in the area or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the kind of the point I landed back on was like, okay, the systemic problems are leading to the lack of diversity because if you have, you know, um, a predominantly black area and a CrossFit gym is opened by a black person, you'll get a predominantly black uh, population using that gym or going to that gym and I think Tommy made the point on his show where he was saying like you know you could have a Hispanic area and then a white person could go into the Hispanic a- gym like a gym mainly full of Hispanic people and think like oh shit I'm like maybe I won't come back here either consciously or subconsciously and I think like I suppose the systemic problems from now this is from looking from afar and I'm coming from like a privileged like middle class white background so I mean tell me to show if I'm wrong but like I think that the in america the fact that there's a disproportionate amount of uh people of color make up the poorer or the lower uh income families so then if you're a lower income family your first port of call is going to be can i pay my rent or can i pay my bills or can i put food on the table so like low on the list of priorities is going to be fitness Mm -hmm. and if you are involved in fitness chances are you're not going to want to pay however much a CrossFit gym membership is because they tend to be a bit on the pricey side. Um, I think like people have kind of said, oh, there isn't a lot of white people or just too many white people and there isn't a lot of people of color. But I think that comes down to like the systemic problems in America. And I think as well, like the fact that, you know, CrossFit charges like a flat rate for affiliation, regardless of where you are, what country you're in, how many members you have, how big your facility is, how many coaches you have, it doesn't matter. It's a flat rate. You pay this money and that's it. So I suppose, do you think that with everything that's happened, that that specific area needs to be addressed? And do you think it needs to be addressed by CrossFit HQ or do you think it needs to be addressed by, you know, Brian, whoever that owns that gym, do you think he needs to do? Because I know when Easy was on your show and when he was on Talking Elite, he talked about different ways of, you know, getting outside your bubble and getting more people in from different bubbles. Do you think that that mm-hmm. lies with HQ or does it lie with the affiliate owner? I that think was a so. fucking ramble and a half, sorry. No, no, no. I hear what you're saying. I, I agree with you on the systemic nature of the issue. And of course, the socioeconomic, you know, problems around yeah. all of that have a lot to do with it. Um, I don't think it's fair to say whether it's 
on HQ or on affiliate owners. I think it's on all of us. I think it's on humans of all like statures and in all positions to ensure that we're making an inclusive and welcoming and non-judgmental world for other humans. And I think everyone could do something to better that situation. People like the people at HQ or the people at the top of any big brand or any big sport could absolutely look at the systematic nature of their, of their, you know, entire program. Mm -hmm. And how does that affect everyone from Caucasian people to people of color, to people of high income and people of low income backgrounds? Like what are we doing to ensure that outreach? And so-and-so who owns the gym needs to look like within themselves to say, what have I done? Is there something else I can do? Is there a, a big step I can take or a small step I can take? You know, when Marquand was on our show, Marquand Jones, he said, um, you know, there's nobody opening up a CrossFit gym in the hood. <laughs> like it's just not happening right now. Um, and, and that would be something that could happen that could help the situation. So we all have, have different roles that we can take. And I don't think it's fair to say, you know, should HQ change your affiliation pricing and just leave the, leave the blame over there? Or like, should gym owners have inner city programs where they bring people in who might not otherwise be able to afford it and leave it there? Like we all need to find a way to, to help individually and figure yeah. it out together. I think though, I think like outreach is definitely something like, say, like looking from, again, this is looking from a distance, like I'm not there. It's very different here. But I think like, you know, there's gyms, CrossFit boxes around the country that are empty for large portions of the day. Mm -hmm. And the times that they tend to be empty are also the time when kids tend to be in school mm -hmm. or, you know, you could easily have like, right, we're going to get such and such a high school out or such, you know, like that kind of way. And I think um, like that kind of thing is something that should be looked at. But I suppose like, okay. I think. Sorry, go on. No, no, sorry, you um you froze up for a second. I can sorry. Um I think like so twenty twenty has been like so fucked up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Go home twenty twenty, you're drunk. Yeah, you've got like this global pandemic affecting all these competitions, all the gyms all over the world. And like I'm not even talking about the you know, humanity problems just like in the sport. Um then you've got the storm at HQ, you got the way that things were handled, you got all the brands, all the gyms, all the mm -hmm. athletes standing up and distancing themselves and a call for change. And then I suppose last night we had the a change, I guess. Um so Glassman stepped down as CEO, um, as far as I know, remaining as owner. Um, and then you've got Castro stepping in. And I think, you know, I guess a lot of your opinion is made up of who you listen to and what you see and what you, you know, like the different things yeah. that you take in. But I think the first thing that I saw after Castro was put in charge was the morning chocolate put up a video of him, like kind of dodging a question about diversity in the sport. Now the question yeah. about diversity in the sport came at a fucking random time in the middle right. of a, a, a chair conference. Yeah. It's like a weird time to ask a question, I guess. But do you think, um, I suppose one, do you think enough has been done like I, I, like so far I mean obviously there's more to come but do you think enough has been done to kind of quell maybe people's fears and two do you think that Dave is the right person to take over yeah I those are great, those are great. I have the same questions <laughs> I think anyone who's who has solid answers to those questions right now is is jumping the gun yeah like we just don't know yet 
what the heck is going on. There is no way to understand. Like, I don't know the intricacies of how companies are run and Mm -hmm. what legally means what to be able to say one way or another, like, okay, so Greg still owns a company. So can he make decisions or not? Mm -hmm. Like, can he step in or not? Like if he can, then I don't know if things will change, but if there's some legal document that says that he has no power in making, because ownership and management, the capital M in a company are completely different. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. all of that, sometimes all of those things can be divorced from one another, like from ownership to management, decision-making, even profit sharing can all, you can sort of set it up however you want. Um, when you own the company. So I don't know. I have, I don't have a good understanding of how any of that is going to work. Um, in terms of Dave Castro being the leader, again, I also don't know. I mean, he's been there for so long and I have so much respect for him because I've only ever worked alongside him in a very limited capacity, um, just you know, putting games on and he's never really been directly involved in the broadcast. So I can't say one way or another, like what his role is or how it will affect his new CEO position. Um, but I can say that I have a lot of respect for him for how hard he's worked for his dedication to the sport and his dedication to the athletes and the fans. I mean, this is a dude who spends all year (laughs) planning for a weekend full of events. And despite how, you know, how, um, stressed and things go wrong and he changes things every to the, on the last minute of every day in order to make things better for the competition, I have still never, ever, ever seen him turn down a selfie with a fan, ever. I have never seen him be like, oops, sorry, too busy, mm-hmm. no matter what. And I have never seen him like turn his back on his athletes when they needed something or when they, but again, like that's a very limited capacity in, in what I've seen. So I'm very curious to know how this role will be outlined for him. You know, does he still run games? Does he bring a board in to run it with him? Does CEO even matter in terms of letters? You know, are they going to put more people in place to, there's so many questions. I mean, shit, we might get new information before you even have time to exactly, publish this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just know that, some change was necessary because Greg couldn't stay at the mm. helm of this the way that he was. And, you know, I know a lot of people are calling him to be out completely 100% and they won't, they won't want to come back and they won't want to talk about the word CrossFit until he's completely removed from the company. And I don't have a good understanding of how realistic that is when someone owns 100% of a company, like how... Yeah, would, like you're, you're, have waiting, to, you're waiting for someone to buy him out, basically. Which well, no. like, what does that is that a thing? Like, would he have to sell it, or could yeah, he just like imagine. could he dissolve his shares? I don't really know what that word means. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. We need like a lawyer to come in. We need like a business attorney to come in and help us figure out what the options are here. And all of us are just speculating and like kind of spewing bullshit. We're all just like, eh, I need Greg out, and I don't want him to be. I think I think that's the thing as well. That twenty like, percent. I don't know. I've had, I spoke to someone earlier on, they were like, you know, oh, I'm stressed or whatever. And like they put up a story or something. And I replied mm-hmm. and I was like, is this because of CrossFit? Like, and they were like, yeah, like just getting loads of messages overnight and waking up to like 20 different messages from 20 different people all saying similar things and asking for your opinion. And then if you don't say something, you're, you know, you're being like a lemming, you're not speaking out and you're not holding your own opinion. And if you do say something, right. it could be the wrong thing. You're feeling stressed and stuff. I think like the way I'm viewing it, like, okay, it's affecting me a little bit, like not as much as it's affecting like, you know, some affiliate owner or some right. professional athlete or whatever, but it is affecting me a little bit. But I think I'm viewing it as like, it's essentially a soap opera. Like all this shit is going on. It's basically 
going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It is. Right. It could not be further from my control what's happening. Exactly. So like, I'm going to listen to what's going on. I'm going to, you know, start forming little baby opinions, but I'm not going to be like, right, this is what I believe and I'm sticking to it. Cause right. you know, it could change tomorrow. Like, you know, like, right. like you say, Castro could be like, right, I'm going to come out. I'm going to be totally honest and open with everyone. I'm going to be so transparent. Like, and you know, that'd be from what we've seen, that'd be totally out of character, but maybe that's just it. Maybe it was a character that he was playing. You know, you could have like, right, I'm going to bring Nicole back in. She's going to run it with me. You could have, she's never coming back and this person's coming in. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. So I think for people to say, I am never doing it again is premature. For people to say, I'm definitely doing it again is premature. I think we need to wait and see like wait and see approach basically just right. see when it just fully settles you can air your opinion and tell everyone what you think right. but I think it's hard and I think it's easy as well we're in a society now where like there's nearly a competition to see who's the wokest like it's like <laughs> totally you know totally. it's like oh you think that well you know yeah like that person has it bad but have you seen like this tribe in Nicaragua like they're right, way right, worse right. off so I think right. there's a you know people are arguing now that Greg stepping aside and putting Dave in is like performative and it's just giving in. It's like, well, you can't fucking win then because if you do, if you do nothing, you're wrong. If you do something, you're just giving in. And if you, right. you know, if you act too quickly, you could be premature, but if you wait too long, you could be like, I think CrossFit fell into the trap that a lot of people fell into. And I think fair play to them for whatever else, fair play to them for holding their hands up and saying, you know, we wanted to say the right thing and it took us too fucking long to do it. And we're sorry. Right. Because I think a lot of people are in that position. Like we spoke totally. about the start, you don't want to put your foot in your mouth, you know? Right. I think you nailed it. And that is that is exactly how I feel in that like you are fucked either way, no matter what you say. And this is the harsh reality that not anyone wants to believe. Mm. We're all right. <laughs> like we're all right. And I, I see so many valid arguments on every single side of this thing that like, you just have to accept that you're all right. Like the, the affiliates who are like, I don't stand for this. I do not want to pay an affiliate fee. I do not want to support a company with a leader that says these things. I'm going to disaffiliate. They're right mm. for them. Yeah. And the gyms that are like, my gym is new. It's a year old and we have 50 members. And most of our members have come to our gym by saying, uh, by Googling CrossFit plus my town. And the gym's owner is like, I'm afraid of removing my affiliation because I need to grow my business still. And, you know, most people don't know who Greg Glassman is. Maybe after this week they will, you know, most people just are like, Oh, CrossFit. I've heard of that. I've seen it on TV. I've seen people with abs. Like I want to try it. And his goal as an owner of an affiliate is just to help people live healthier lives. So right now, until he learns more about what's happening, he's not going to throw away his affiliation and he's right too. And you know, it's very difficult to say like, oh, those people who left really jumped the gun and they really fucked up because we probably needed them to do that and put that kind of pressure on HQ to even get to where we are today with an apology, with what I thought was a very well-written and thoughtful apology. And I'm torn because I'm emotional and I'm like, yeah, like where was this a couple of days ago? You're right. And then the, the other part of me is like, we're out here trying to like tell each other to grow and tell each other to apologize and recognize what we've done wrong. And that's what they're doing. And we can't live in this culture where we're preaching growth and forgiveness and just be better. Like we're not booting you off this planet because you said some wrong shit in the past. So how can you look at them and say too little, too late? 
Like they yeah, can't like, fucking you, win. You like can't, you can't have okay. a. Okay, we said something. A, well, you said a, it too late. You said it too wrong. You said it yeah. too whatever. But well, we said it. So not. So what? What should have we done? Continue to not say it. Like there's yeah. no way to win, and everyone who has an opinion is right in a sense. So yeah, I think it comes down to what you say there. There's no way to win. I mean, it's like yeah. a lot of arguments or a lot of conversations turn into arguments or turn into well, fine, then we'll just leave it because everyone wants to win and they, like no one wants to lose. So you either shift the argument that you're talking about so that you know you're talking factually now. Like, whereas you might say like, oh, there's no such thing as racism in America. And then the conversation starts and the other person's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It starts giving you right. examples. And you're like, well, no, what I'm actually saying is this. And you change the argument because you don't want to lose. Or right. you get taken, the conversation stops because you're annoyed and you're angry or whatever. So I think the, the winning and losing thing is a big, like that caused a lot of issues, especially in fucking CrossFit because everyone wants to win. Uh, yeah yeah especially (laughs) and like when you get like hard-headed people like i am so stubborn so like i even have these issues like when i fight with my husband like in my marriage i'm like i know i'm wrong but i'm gonna say this i'm gonna make you feel bad because i need to win this argument like it is (laughs) it's like it's this is a problem that we have like you know in our absolute cores of being humans because we're just trying to do the right thing and when you when you put civil liberties on the line like Mm. you know being so vehemently passionate about doing the right thing then it takes over but the thing is we're so emotional and this is something that easy said on our podcast back when we were still talking about like the rioting and looting Mm. it's like people are so emotional that they're reacting without being logical and it is it's not fair because it's, it's, you know, you're being angry about something that if you stopped and thought about, maybe you would disagree with, but maybe you wouldn't necessarily flip a chair over about mm. or something like that. So I think it's interesting as well, though. I mean, like one of the interesting things I saw, I think he shared it actually, maybe was like someone saying, if, if you're saying, oh, it's a shame what happened, but the looting and rioting is awful. You've got your, you know, you've got your shit mixed up. It should be the other way around. It should be what happened was awful and terrible, but it's a shame that there's looting. You know what I mean? It's like those kind of standards flip. And I think what you're saying earlier on about like, you know, HQ came out and said something and now, you know, some people are accepting it. Some people are and some people are saying it's too little too late. It's kind of like we, as you said, we can't preach this, you know, tolerant, loving, you know, we care about everything society and also have a cancel culture where that if you make a mistake, and I'm not saying that Greg Lassman should be like, oh, come on, Greg, come back in. We're all right, right, right. Here. It's not just Greg being Greg. That's not what we're saying. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm saying if, if, if someone makes a mistake, like if, if CrossFit, the company, made a mistake by not speaking in time, um, at least they're coming out and saying, oh, we really fucked up by not speaking soon enough and here's why we took so long and here's... Like they, it's a detailed heading by heading. They've hit yes. all the markers. I think, yep. like whatever the PR team behind it, whoever they've finally gotten involved on PR, <laughs> they've done a good job. Now all they needed to do is go back in time and give them Greg's Twitter password and stuff. If only, if only. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree with you, and I think the hardest thing for me is reading all the comments and, and hearing all the people who say, "Well, I don't know. It just didn't sound genuine." I'm mm. like, how? I'm, I'm just so confused on how you draw that conclusion from reading a long, you know, well-written piece in your own voice and yeah, then saying yeah. their voice wasn't changed. I'm just curious. I don't understand how people um, form that opinion. I think if, if the copy had said something along the lines of like, sorry, 
sorry, not sorry, or like, yeah, or sorry, like you're sorry, offended. Sorry, yeah, sorry, you got offended, or sorry. Right, then I could understand like dissecting the meaning behind the language and being like, that's not genuine. But I'm very, I don't understand necessarily when people judge tone on something that someone else has written that they're reading in their own voices. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't get that necessarily. And so I'm not judging tone. I'm just judging the words and the words to me needed to be said, whether that's enough. I'm not sure yet. Like I said, I need more information on yeah. what the change at the top of the totem pole means and what the decision-making process will look like from here on out. And what are, what are more changes we're doing to be more inclusive and to address these issues that they have so eloquently written out you know, that's step one. And I, I personally am good with step one. Some people are like, they need step 15 right away. Yeah, yeah. And I, I get that too. Again, like they're think, right too. The thing is, but, though, if, it's, if it's rushed, you know, you could argue that right, if it's rushed that. and then things fall apart, then it's like, well, why didn't you take more time to think about what you're going to do? Like this was never going to work. And it's like, well, right. you put so much fucking pressure on us to get something out straight away. And we tried, I think like it, it, the next, I think I said this, I recorded, with, uh, I recorded an update with uh greg you know from montreal he does emceeing around yes so we call I him ordered, canada greg <laughs> i call him mc greg, <laughs> MC greg. <laughs> we, we had uh we recorded an episode last week it was due to release friday and i was like anyone that i had recorded with i offered them the chance to either re-record share the episode you know record an add-on or whatever because I think, although they're recorded ahead of time, I don't want the person getting messages then afterwards being like, why didn't you talk about everything that's going yeah, on? Yeah, that's you know, really so, smart. We should totally do that too. Smart, um, smart. It, don't. It's a fucking nightmare because I have so many reports. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, do. It's the right thing to do, but it's hassle. Yeah. But um, he, we were talking this morning and I was kind of like, you know, I think the next five years of the sport will be dictated by the next five days. Where if, if HQ and Castro come out and they say, you know, following on from our apology and our statement, here's what we are going to do. We're going to instigate like, you know, I don't know, some form of Rooney rule where we have to, you know, interview certain people of color or whatever. We have to have a certain number of people of color in on the board, in the HQ, in each affiliate, in the training seminar staff, whatever it needs to be. If they come out and they're clear, and I think the issue here is that it's going to have to go against their character because they're generally not very forthcoming with information and stuff like that. So I think they'll have to, they'll have to book their own trend of like oversharing nearly to say. Um, but I think if they come out and do that, I think people might start forgiving and gravitating back towards them. I think if they come out and say nothing, the longer they leave the silence, hopefully they've learned now, the longer they leave the silence, the worse it gets because the more rumors there are, the more conjecture there is, the more blame is attributed, even though maybe there shouldn't be. But I think if in the next few days we can have some kind of roadmap as to what's mm -hmm. going to be happening, I think hopefully it will alleviate the need for people to be at step 15 right now because they can see, right, well, step 15 is a long time away, but at least we know it's coming. Yeah, I mean, I think you're being logical, but I think that if, if you are the kind of person that read that letter and instantly were like, nope, fuck this. This is too little, too late. This is disingenuous. This is whatever. Then you, you know, you have that guttural reaction mm -hmm. and you're, you're reacting with emotion and you don't have it in yourself to slow down yet. And, you know, logically think like, all right, so this is the first thing, what is coming next? And, and is it, does it make more sense for me to judge it then mm -hmm. versus right now? Like we just, you people, we need to slow down and, and just, process you yeah. know and just i know what's hard is like on the one hand i'm so glad that this is happening in a way because we need to affect change we need to affect change globally and you know what for these 
dense CrossFitters, myself included, like it had to affect something that I really loved in order to say like, yeah, stop the presses. Let's fix this shit. Let's do something. It has to be now. It cannot go on like this any longer. And then, you know, there's also another part of me that's just like, I just want to work out with my friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just want to keep, I coach at a gym. It's got a great community. And I want to help, help people continue like to pick up all their groceries all at the same time or like picking kids up and play. And like, that's the, that's the real nature of what we do. So I'm, I'm hoping that there's a way to bring it all back together. Cause I love my job and I love reporting and I love these events and I love my community and I love my gym and I hate racism. And how do I make that all work for me again? Yeah. I don't know. Cause it feels so fractured right now. I really hope there's a, there's a way that we can all just like, hold hands and hug and well, we don't touch each other anymore though because yeah, yeah, yeah. coronavirus. <laughs> I'm hoping this way we can all stand two meters away from each other and wave. Right, right. Wave at you and you have a dumbbell and I have a barbell and three, two, one, go. <laughs> I think, um, I think one, one thing that like, and I've mentioned this a couple of times on other bits is like the positive, like it's really fucking hard to take positives out of stuff like this. But I think one positive that I'm taking is I know that I'm following the right athletes. I know that I'm following the right people on Instagram. I know that I'm surrounding myself with the right people because I like, I feel like it sounds cheesy, but I feel really inspired by like the gyms that were like, you know, I, I'm not just talking about people who said, right, we're out, we disaffiliate or whatever. But I mean, people who stood up and said, unless there's change, I can't do this anymore. And I think like, you know, people like Noah Olson who really stepped out early yeah. and like the, all the noble athletes, like I was talking to Todd that works for noble and I was like, yeah. you know, fair play. You've got a good group of athletes there because they all fucking stepped up and yep. you know, and then you see Marcus's Instagram TV yep. video that he put out and like, you know, it's like attracts yeah. like, and I think if, if you're looking at your Instagram and you're feeling like it's toxic and it's, you know, angry or whatever, just fucking clear house and follow people that you want to follow. Because like I say, so much of what you take in or your opinions that you form is based on what you're looking at and who you're listening yeah. to. And yeah. I think I started getting this kind of sense of like relief. Like when I saw Rich Froning put up his video, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, you know, when I saw Fraser put up his post, I was like, oh, geez, thank God. Like, you know, you're seeing yeah. these athletes that you follow and you're like, oh, thank fuck, they're all agreeing with each other. Like, you know, yeah. that it's like, yeah. you're, you're terrified that that one person you love, like I, I really like Brent Fukowski and, you know, like, I, I knew, I know because I like him, I like him for his values as well as his athleticism and stuff. I knew that he'd be like, you know, yeah, yeah it's fine or whatever. Don't, you know, I got your back, Peter, don't worry about it. I'm going to say something good. But like, yeah. you're still that thing when he says, it, you're like, oh, thank fuck he's not racist. You know, <laughs> good thing, good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're totally right. Just don't go in the comments of those posts and you'll be yeah. good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, no, they can't, they can't win one way or another for sure, but it definitely is, it's good to see them standing up. You know, it, it takes me back to like, you know how like when we were kids, we'd have like posters of athletes and stuff up in our rooms. Mm. I don't know. I'm assuming you're old like I am. That's like not a thing that happens anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like kids, listen to me, kids these days. No, but it's true. Like, like, like they've, YouTube stars are like their celebrities yeah, are like yeah, the people yeah. that they emulate and want to be like. And I think when we see athletes just promoting messages like this and taking a stand for what they believe in, and it is hard. It is hard because 50% of their followers are going to hate them and their sponsors may or may not agree. And like, it's hard to stand up for what you believe in. I was just saying this to Noah today. I was just texting with him earlier. 
Um, whether or not I agree, by the way, like whatever they're saying, whatever their convictions yeah. are, like I understand that it's difficult to say out loud, but I like the way that you frame it because it is like, yeah, that is the kind of person that I want like the poster of in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. I do want to value them for their athleticism and their virtues. And that is important when we put people up on pedestals in our society and our culture, that it's for more than just the YouTube-ness mm-hmm. of them or their popularity or how pretty they are or anything like that. It's it's about, you know, who they are as humans. Mm, I think you, talk, you mentioned the comments are pretty funny. Like <laughs> Pat Fellner and Brent put up uh, the, a picture and like, uh, you know, it was a really like well same, written. Yeah. yeah. And someone kind of was like, oh, this would be more if you both wrote like different comments. And it was like, yeah. And know, they were like, well, we wrote it together. Like yeah, both of like us fair are play for them, the words. The measured response from, I don't know, it was a, I think it was Brent's page where he was like, yeah, well, we actually helped each other write it and we wanted to make sure that we said the right thing and we're friends, yeah. so it's fine. But it's like, I would have been like, you know what, fuck you, guy. I was just like... Right. Well, and like, that's the hard part now is like, and I'm sorry I'm backtracking because I feel like we've already touched upon this, but like and people are so afraid to say the wrong thing and that is, that's not okay. Mm. Like we are shitting on each other so hard when we're just trying to do what's right. Like someone the other, when I, the other day I just posted about how like, I don't know, don't be a dick and like love everyone. And like, just please, like, let's make this about inclusivity and love. And I was like, uh, you know, asking if people had questions because we were going to talk about it on the podcast. And someone like super minorly, but like trolled it and was like, you've only defended HQ in the past. And now you're being a hypocrite because you're saying that you like love people or whatever. And I just, in my head, I was like, did you really just come to shit on my post about love? Like, did you really take time out of your day to be like, I'm going to write a negative comment on this post, which is centered about pity. Delete yourself off Instagram. Like, that's not what this is for. That's not what this is made for. That's not what discussion is like. Like, that is not, you want to ask me that, like, I've worked for HQ in the past and how do I feel about this right now? Like, I will have a discussion with you, but that is that is so stupid. And like making platforms for discussion is where we need to be right now in order to grow, not pointing fingers. It's being afraid to say something or, you know, not knowing the words to say. So you get with your best buddy and you guys come up with something together and then someone calls you out for that. Like, fuck off. (laughs) It doesn't make sense to me right now. It doesn't. Why? You're making it worse. I think though, I think I'm like, I'm, I'm reluctant to say I'm hopeful because the last time I said I was hopeful, fucking COVID happened. So <laughs> I think I'm 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 quietly hopeful that whatever happens, something good will come out of it because either there'll be, you know, there'll be a stronger sense of community or CrossFit will, you know, rise up and be stronger and do the right thing, or, you know, people will maybe branch off and set up different things that are strong. But one like once I think to circle back to what we talked about at the very beginning, I think once these difficult conversations are started, like that's the hard part is starting mm. the conversation, admitting that there's a problem, admitting that there's something wrong. And then it comes down to your words and your actions afterwards. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's fucking shit. And it's like, it you know, I think you got to break eggs to make an omelet though. And, yeah. you know, hopefully we're all eating eggs Benedict at the end of this or whatever. However to finish I have six analogy. chickens six chickens in my backyard so i'll provide all the eggs and we'll make all the we'll have a frittata party and (laughs) it'll be great it'll be great okay i'll finish off with a bit of a stress alleviation so just a quick fire so that you can 
you not walk out of the room feeling like you're under a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so run or roll? Run. Uh, barbell or dumbbell? Barbell. Gymnastics or cardio? Cardio. Uh, deadlift or squat? No. Power clean? <laughs> <laughs> well, deadlift would have been extra. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, team or individual? Uh, uh, um, individual. Okay. And you are building a team to take on mayhem in Ooh. the mayhem madness comp that's coming up okay who, okay so it's up to you who you want to choose you can choose from your media pals or you can choose like an actual <laughs> team that might do something but you've got one or a girl and two guys who are you bringing okay i'm building a media team definitely because it so that if be you're shit it's fine <laughs> comedic relief comedic relief for sure and it's um Ooh, can I be the coach? Can I pick two girls? Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, so ready? So I'm the coach and I'm putting the squad together and the girls are Logan Vanderpool, who's one of the MCs, who's okay. like so fit, it's scary. She's been a coach and she's a, a, a registered nutritionist. So she like knows everything about everything. And um, Brittany, who is another one of the MCs okay. who was on Grid Week back in the day. So you know okay. she fit. Yeah. And then the two dudes are Mike and Larry. Okay. 100%. God, there's so many, there's going to be so many pissed off men. This is like, <laughs> I can imagine like chasing and listening back to this and being like, what the fuck? Well, remember, we're the comedic relief team, right? Yeah. So the girls, the girls kick butt in, in their own right, but, uh, but the dudes are just there to hold, hold them down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now down. you've, you've actually insulted all the men twice because if there's one thing men, if there's one thing men like to see themselves as, it's strong. And if there's another thing, it's funny. And you've basically told them that, like, we're the comedic relief and you're not funny enough or strong enough to be on this team. <laughs> not, not true. That's not true. I think everyone will, everyone will agree that Mike and Larry on the media team are probably, like, they're the funniest and have the best stories. Um, yeah. And they're the most, like, game for anything. So I know if I was, like, media team, they'd both be like, all right, let's go. And, you know, so much sunscreen for both of their bald heads. <laughs> necessary um okay look thanks a million for uh, yeah totally really appreciate it and uh best of luck with everything uh, hopefully you know maybe you might see a filthy or some of the sanctions over hopefully. this side if things kind of go back to some kind of normality and keep it up with the podcast and thank you, you know you too keep-